you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the world. In the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks. This is Voss here from thechrisvossshow.com, thechrisvossshow.com. Hey, we're coming over there. We're going to podcast. We certainly appreciate you guys tuning in to uh, see the amazing author we have on today. Her name is Kristen Higgins. She's an international best-selling author of more than 20 books. She's sold millions of copies worldwide. We're going to be talking about her newest book that's coming out and you're going to be able to get this baby right off the shelf you can go to your local bookstores or you can go to amazon and pick it up uh it's called pack up the moon and it's going to be coming out june 8th 2021 and of course you can check out all of our other books there at the wherever you find your fine book sales anyway we're going to be talking to her today go to youtube.com for chess chris foss hit the bell notification subscribe to all the reviews and interviews that we're doing on the show uh, also go to goodreads.com for chess chris foss you can see all the stuff we're doing there also go to all the groups we have on facebook linkedin twitter uh, what is there tiktok and uh, instagram so and this episode is brought to you by a sponsor ifi-audio.com and their micro idsd signature it's a top of the range desktop transportable dac and headphone app that will supercharge your headphones it has two brown burr DAC chips in it and will decode high-res audio and MQA files. We're using it in the studio right now. I've loved my experience with it so far. It just makes everything sound so much more richer and better and takes things to the next level. IFI Audio is an award-winning audio tech company with one aim in mind, to improve your music enjoyment of quality sound, eradicate noise, distortion, and hiss from your listening experience. Check out their new incredible lineup of DACs and audio enhancement devices at ifi-audio.com. There you go. Kristen Higgins is the New York Times and international best-selling author of more than 20 books, which have sold millions of copies. I want to say millions of copies worldwide. Her latest novel, Pack Up the Moon, has received starred reviews from Publishers Weekly, Kirkus, book list and it comes out june 8th she is the mother of two excellent and entertaining adult children and also lives in rural connecticut with her heroic firefighter husband and a rescue dog and cat she is also the co-host of the podcast crappy friends <laughs> which explores the complex friendships between women you can learn more about her stuff at kristenhiggins.com welcome to the show Kristen. how are you I'm good. Thanks for having me, Chris. I, I feel like the, I should sing a little. Like, but <laughs> if you want, I would. The floor is yours. Uh, whatever tune you want. We're. I love your intro. <laughs> <laughs> we try and give it all that verve, all that energy and stuff. So I kind of actually did your plug for you, but do you want to tell people where they can find out more about you on the interwebs, socially, and, and order up the book? Yeah, my website is my name, KristenHiggins.com. And you can find ordering information there. And I'm on the usual social media platforms under my name, Kristen Higgins, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, all that stuff. So, yeah, I'd love to have you visit. 
There you go. She's got the tumbler, folks. She's got the. T- I have a tumbler too. I think I have two tumblers. One for the business, one for the thing. Need to use it more, maybe. I don't know. So this new book has come out. Congratulations on on writing this book because it's hard writing books, and you've written like twenty plus. So you probably maybe hopefully it's gotten easier for you. I'll leave that to you. <laughs> but what motivated you to write this book? Were you like, darn it, I've only written twenty books. I want to write one more. I well, I'm under contract, so that's a motivation. <laughs> got to do my job. And this book is the story of, of grief and love and exploring how you get through the worst possible times and how you can make a life without the person you loved best. You know, all novels are about a thorny problem, you know, and you have to solve the problem throughout the course of the book. So I wanted to write about a grieving husband. And I'll tell you how I came up with the idea for this. It was winter time. I was on Cape Cod trying to finish another book and it was frigid cold. And, you know, the, the cold on the Northern Atlantic is like no other cold. So it was like three degrees and the wind was blowing and the spray was, you know, freezing on my glasses. And, and so my dog and I were walking and I see this guy in the distance and he's standing at the edge of the shore he didn't seem to have a big coat on or anything. He just was standing looking out at the ocean. And I thought, he looks like the loneliest man in the world. And I thought, I want to write about the loneliest man in the world. It was just such a compelling image. And and I wanted to write a story where, it's, I call this a tragic love story with a happy ending. Because, you know, we all face the death of someone too young, at some point in our life. And it's kind of a, a taboo subject to write about, you know, a, a beautiful, happy couple where one dies. So I wanted to write this story because I really wanted to explore how people handle grief and also how people handle a terminal diagnosis. So you know right from the back cover copy that this golden, beautiful couple is married a year when she finds out she has a lung disease called pulmonary fibrosis mm. and and there's no cure for it mm. and it's a, it's a slow path to certain death and so they have everything they have successful careers and loving families and they have each other and now they're hit with this terrible blow and what i wanted to show was that even when you're living under this kind of sentence and when you know, like, okay, I'm going to die a lot sooner than I had hoped, and I know how I'm going to die, chances are, how do you live with that? And how do you make the most of your time? And how do you take care of your spouse? So for Lauren, she decides to write Joshua a letter for each month of the 12 months after she dies, because her husband is on the spectrum. He's a loner to begin with. He's not great at social situations. He works for himself and she knows he's going to have a really hard time. He Hmm. never expected to find her. You know, they're so happy. They're so in love. And now, you know, the, the rug is ripped out from under him. So she writes him a letter and she gives him a job to do for each month. Hmm. And in the beginning, they're, they're little jobs, like go to the grocery store and clean out the refrigerator. And then they become like sort of increasingly big and she's kind of pushing him out into the world and and out of his comfort zone and sometimes he's really irritated with these jobs but it gives him structure for that first year mm. 
And so we see the story unfold from Joshua's point of view from, from a few days before his wife dies for the next 12 months. And then we see Lauren's point of view kind of in reverse from a week before she's going to die to back when she first meets Josh. Oh, wow. So you unpack the story going back the other way, huh? Yeah, yeah. That's pretty beautiful. That's that's really that's really cool because then you're you you feel like there's the multiple characters in there and you're going through the thing. What what made you write it that way where you told the story that way instead of just making Josh be the be the character who would, you know, be in the first person or whatever from there on out? I really wanted to show how you can have a terminal illness and still be a a person. You know, so many times people become their diagnosis in the Mm -hmm. eyes of others. Like, Oh, you have cancer. I'm so sorry. You poor thing, you know, and, and they forget that, you know, you still have interests and, and jobs and family and friends and that you can still be happy. You know, and I think that I'm kind of this uh, maudlin person in terms of what I like to read and watch. And I read a lot of memoirs of people who have a terminal illness and, and watch a lot of documentaries and, wow. um, and, you know, a little creepy, but I think there's a lot to be learned from people when they know that their time is short. And I, I believe that, and I, like, I would hope that in, in my own case, that I could face death as bravely as possible and not have it be the only thing that was going on in my life. Wow. So, I wanted to show how a woman could have the best year of her life, even though she's knowing she knows it's winding down. And she truly loves him. She's passing these letters to him. Is, can you tell us what the system of delivery is to in the timeliness? Do they come in a certain way or? Yeah. Her best friend delivers them to oh. him and drops them off. And, and, you know, there's this whole circle of people around Lauren and Josh who have, have also suffered in her loss. She has a, sister and her sister's husband and children, her best friend, her mom, his family. And, you know, they're all impacted by this. So they're this little huddle of people. And at first, Joshua feels very disconnected from everyone, very alone. And I think that's a really common reaction to loss is that you feel like you're the only person in the world who knows what what this is like, who knew her this way, who's suffering at this time. And, And it's funny, Chris, I started writing this book before the pandemic and, and I, I, Lauren has a lung disease. I didn't want to give her brain cancer because, you know, that's been done. And, and then this disease comes, it's a lung disease and it's killing all these people all at once. And I was like, oh my God, you know, it, it suddenly felt so close and so personal. And I was away from my family at our little house on Cape Cod and my husband is a firefighter. My daughter is a nurse. Her fiance is a firefighter. So they're frontline workers. And they said, don't come home. You're safer there. So for six weeks, I was all alone, worried, you know, afraid to go to the grocery store. Not, you know, we were all figuring out how to live with COVID. And I'm writing this book about loss at a time when people were losing so many. And and I thought, oh, this is this is a terrible, wonderful book for right now. Mm-hmm. You know, now it's so nice that we're coming out of COVID and, and life is starting to come back to normal. But so many people have lost someone in the past couple of years. And and if if they haven't to COVID, it's to someone else. You know, mm-hmm. I've I, you know, 
whether it's your parents or a child or sister, brother, you know, we all suffer like this. And so I wanted to explore that, that grief from every angle that I could, because, you know, grief is the expression of love. It's a beautiful emotion. You know, it's, it's the flip side of joy that you find in another person. And it sounds like a beautiful story where she really loves, she really loves him and wants him to be happy. There's always the, there's always, I, I've heard, I think I've had a girlfriend or two say to me, if, if anything ever happened to you, would you, would you ever marry somebody else? Or <laughs> it's always that question, but it seems like, it seems like she really has an interest in his future and wanting him uh, to go have a great life. And I think there's something really special or, or a moving in that, isn't there? Yeah, you know, the last thing we want to do to the person we love the most is break their heart. Mm. And the minute she lets that diagnosis sink in, she realizes, I'm going to devastate my husband. I'm going to ruin him. And I have to work against that. You know, I have to acknowledge that he's going to be lost and grieving and ruined. And I have to help him walk through that. (laughs) And, you know, as someone who's suffered you know, very profound losses in my life. I know that you don't ever get over a death of someone, especially an untimely death. But, you know, at first it's like this 300 pound sack you carry on your back. And it's not that it gets lighter. It's that you get stronger and better able to carry it. And, mm. and I think that that's what Lauren is trying to do. And uh, she knows he'll need help. And so these letters provide that for her. And she's also very determined not just to, to help him after she dies, but to make the time she has left very full, very happy, despite the fact that she's on oxygen and has to ride a scooter, you know, and despite the fact that she can't travel anymore. She's she's really committed to to living as beautifully and as, as fully as possible, which doesn't mean she doesn't have her moments. You know, she has her breakdowns and her, you know, terrifying grief and fear and all that. She's a normal person, you know? Yeah. It's the experience of life. Sometimes the good, the bad, and the ugly. Mm -hmm. So what else can you tease out from us about the book without giving too much away? Of course. Well, the, uh, the book is, is structured around, around Josh's tasks, but it's also told, as I mentioned earlier, in reverse, from Lauren recognizing that her time is, is very short to kind of spooling backwards to, you know, earlier in the diagnosis and then getting the diagnosis and then before the diagnosis and before she, she was dating Josh. And so you learn about their love story that way. And I, I think one of the things that I, I, I don't, necessarily keep first and forefront in my mind is that this book is a love story and it's also the story of an excellent marriage Hmm. you know it's it's kind of a how-to in some respects how to support your spouse how to you know be strong when they're weak and and be vulnerable so they can comfort you and and you know their marriage is is very happy and very easy i think there's a line in there that you know love wasn't hard it wasn't complicated it was it was just the way they lived and hmm. and so i you know writing this as my daughter is is getting married you know it was very poignant to think about this and and think about loss in in someone so young but i you know it's something i witnessed myself my dad died 
um, when I was young and he Mm. died um, in a car accident. So, you know, here and gone, the snap of a fingers and your life changes. And I watched my mom, you know, become a different person. And, you know, it, it was one of the most influential things that happened to me, not just my dad dying, but seeing my mom and her grief and how she could come out of it bit by bit and Mm -hmm. learn to carry that, that burden a little more easily. So that gave you something to work with maybe it, it, how he's going to process his thing and come out the other side. Yeah. And I, you know, I talked to widowers and widows, especially the young ones, you know, the Mm -hmm. people who think, Oh, we have, you know, 50, 60 years together and Oh, we only had four or two or 17, you know? So I, I love research. And so in the course of my research, I was talking to this group of widows and widowers online. They graciously let me into their forum and, and also a, a woman, a young woman who has this disease, who has idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis. Mm-hmm. And that was incredible to, to talk to someone who's walking the walk. She was absolutely thrilled that I was writing about it because it will bring attention to this all too common disease. People think it's sort of an old person's disease, like you had to sm- uh, smoke mm-hmm. for 40 years, but it's not. And, you know, she knows someone who's 20 and has this. And the prognosis is you have three to five years after after being diagnosed. So talking to Charlene was so, so wonderful. And it gave me insight that I could not have had otherwise about, you know, how hard life is when you have an illness like this and how you have to plan, you know, if I'm going to cook dinner, then I'm going to have to plan a rest. And if I, you know, if I'm going to my parents' house for Christmas, I'm going to have to, you know, take a nap during the day. And also, you know, her attitude of, you know, don't write me off just yet. I'm 32 years old and, you know, we'll see how it goes, you know, that nothing is certain. And, you know, you hear all those stories of, oh, the doctors gave me six months and here I am 30 years later. And that doesn't happen with Lauren. But Charlene really helped me understand how you can be joyful and going to do all these adventures that you always wanted to do, even though you might have to have an oxygen tank on your back. Mm -hmm. That's really an interesting perspective. Maybe we all need to learn that more, you know, finding joy in sometimes your your most darkest moments and Mm -hmm. that perspective. Because there's so many people that their lives are you know, not perfect, but their lives are pretty good and they don't have a, a disease and they can't find happiness. And and yet people that are going through that sort of challenging experience. Is this the first time you've done this sort of story progression pattern with your books? Yeah, it, it was very challenging to write that way. The way I write a book is I write chapters or scenes in separate documents. So whichever is speaking to me, first or most loudly, I, I run with that because for me, writing books is, is very hard. I don't just, you know, sit down and a month later have a book. It takes me a long time, a lot of struggle and despair and self-hatred. <laughs> <laughs> I'm writing a book right now. It's my first, so I think I'm at this self-hatred part. Call <laughs> me. We can talk. <laughs> so, so I wrote Lauren's story chronologically basically. So, you know, the first time she meets Joshua, she can't stand him and her either, you know? And so we start from there with her in college and go to the end of her life. And then I wrote Josh's chapters based on the letters. And then I had to kind of stitch the whole thing together, like a quilt had all these, you know, all these chapters floating around. 
And, uh, and I, you know, it was very adventurous, I guess, as a writer to tell a story in reverse in Lauren's perspective and keep Josh's moving forward and kind of have them echo each other hmm. in certain parts. So yeah, it, it was a bit challenging. I think it's really rewarding to read. It's, it's a, definitely a different way to tell a story. Mm -hmm. I like it. I think it's brilliant because you, you can hear her voice, her intent, what she's trying to do. And it's, it's like this voice that, that's coming from behind wherever you want to take and put it. And what, what do you think? Because it's, it's a little bit sad. And as you mentioned, it's a love story. What do you think readers are going to come away from with the book or maybe what they'll learn or what, what are your thoughts on what someone's over, uh, overall thing is when they walk away from after they buy your book and they read it, <laughs> they're going to they're gonna walk away from. I think they will be profoundly moved, all cried out, and left with this really uplifting, hopeful feeling. And, you know, I mentioned like, oh, I'm writing a, a book about dying during COVID. But in a way, it's the best book you could read, I think, because it is so hopeful. It's very realistic and gritty in parts. Lauren is not a saint. You know, she's not this angel who floats down and guides Josh mystically through the year. You know, they both struggle. They, they fight, you know, they're, they're a normal couple, but they, you know, I think the whole experience of reading this book and the whole job that I have as an author is to make my readers feel and mm. give them an emotional experience. So I think that more than any other book I've written, I've done that here. Wow. You know, that that this book, I think, is an important book about life and death and loss and love and and finding your way back to happiness after the worst thing you can imagine has happened. Yeah. Because the alternative is to be defeated by that and to be stuck there miserable, lonely, you know, isolated for the rest of your life. And that's a long time, you know, that's a long time to, to be stuck and to be focusing on the bad things that happened. So I think it's a real lesson in, in courage and in, in, in partnership. And, and I think they'll really walk through the book with these characters and love them dearly. The, the early reviews have been saying just that, like, I will never forget this book. And, you know, I'm, I'm so glad I read it and I used up three boxes of tissues. <laughs> <laughs> so I always say my books should make you laugh, cry, and then laugh again. So, you know, there's very funny scenes in this book. There had to be, right? Yeah. And, and there's, you know, there's of course some very poignant and, and heartbreaking scenes, but as a reader, that's what I love. Mm -hmm. I love a book that really carries me through this emotional journey where like my heart is pounding or I'm crying or laughing out loud. So I, I think I can guarantee readers that they will get all of that with this book. Awesome sauce. You get the full gambit. You get the full gambit. Did you did you did you see any? You know, the the one thing that's interesting about your book and and how it goes through. You know, we've all kind of been going through this kind of weird process in the last year with COVID. We've been, you know, we've had to think about our feelings. We had to maybe prepare for loss. You know, I was worried. I wanted to keep my mother and my and my two sisters uh, survive through this. I was lucky. Many people were not, and they lost loved ones. And you know, we kind of all went through this moment of where we had to reassign our values. Like to me, I had to look around and go, "Well, 
my family needs to become the most important thing to me, not, you know, all this, all these stupid things. Cause the coronavirus isn't going to take my speakers and my car. Coronavirus is going to take the people I love. And, and those are the people that I usually can't live without. So we, we kind of went through that journey. Do you think this book might help people that maybe have been through a loss and, and give them kind of that, there's kind of sometimes the experience of watching someone go through something where you learn and you go, I, I could actually use that for what I'm, what's happening to me right now. Yeah. I think that, you know, there are lessons to take, but it's not like a preachy book. It's not a how to get, get over this. It's, I think they'll relate to Josh, whether mm-hmm. they've lost a spouse or a parent, a grandparent, you know, loss is loss, right? You're, you know, you're my elderly 93 year old grandfather died and it was devastating, you know, because he was such a big influence in my life and, and such a wonderful role model. And, and, and of course I'd never lived without him. So, you know, my mom was uh, 70 when, when her dad died and, you know, you think like, well, what are you complaining about? She's never lived without her dad there. You know, it's, it's, there's not like who gets to grieve more, but I think that they'll recognize themselves in Josh and, and in Lauren and in, in Jen, Lauren's sister, Sarah, the, the parents, you know, she had a, a little nephew who is completely unfiltered in his response to her grief, you know, and it seems like Josh almost envies him that purity of just being able to wail and scream, you know, and so I think they'll, They'll see themselves in Josh. They'll recognize these emotions that he and Lauren go through. And just by kind of walking alongside him, they might be able to say, oh, that that's me. Oh, yeah. I remember like the first night that I slept through the night after my husband died and how guilty I felt afterwards. And there's so much comfort in knowing that you're not the only one. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And one of my favorite scenes is very brief in the book, but it's the middle of the night. Josh can't sleep. It's been a few months. He doesn't want to wake anybody up and, you know, bother them. So he calls Apple Care. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and he just, he gets this nice guy, you know, the Apple techs are so nice and so friendly. And he pretends that he lives in Hawaii and that his wife is alive and, He's just telling the guy little fun facts about Hawaii where he's visited once and, and he's pretending to download the new operating system, but he just wants a voice in the middle of the night and to pretend that he is that guy whose wife is still alive somewhere beautiful and far away, you know? So I think, I think there'll be that recognition of those moments when people have tried all these things and, and experienced these things and, found comfort in strange places. Yeah. I mean, we all go through that with our loss and stuff and, and it, you know, it's just, it's a challenge when you lose things. And then there's the process of grieving. That's the thing I hate the worst is the grieving part. Cause yeah. I always, I always go, Oh crap, I got to do those steps and they take time. You can't just like, you can't just and like you know, fast forward through the grieving part. I know. And they don't go in order and it's <laughs> like, Oh, I've gone through denial. So that won't happen again. Yeah. You know, surprise, you're in denial six months later, you know, and one of the most beautiful books I've ever read about, about grief and loss is Joan Didion's The Year of Magical Thinking. And that was a, you know, when, when I have, I've, I've lost my dad, I I lost a, a baby many years ago. And, you know, that magical thinking 
can be so comforting, comforting. And, you know, you can think like, well, you know, I'll, I'll pick up the phone and call dad and, or, you know, oh, my son would be 26 now. And, you know, I'd picture him in our kitchen with my other kids and those kind of things. And, you know, it's like, it's so sad and yet it's so comforting Mm -hmm. and, you know, whatever gets you through the day on some days, you know, um, whatever you need to tell yourself. Yeah. AT&T sends our show phones and we've had a relationship with them for 12 years reviewing phones. And so I use Google voice as a centralized phone number to, and, and all the phones forward and over the years into this, this Google voice. So if you call me, you're, you're usually calling Google voice and then it'll ring any phone that I have. And before my father had passed away, he'd been calling me because he was having, you know, minor heart attacks and strokes and, and he would call me and leave messages and I call him back and he was renowned for leaving messages. And I, I don't usually listen to people's messages. I'm like, you call me and I, I call you back. And two or three years after he'd passed, I was going through my Google voice stuff. And I'm like, I think I was, I was looking for some message that I'd had from someone. I was like, what was it that they told me? And I found his voicemail messages two or three years later, and I hadn't listened to him at all. And so there was kind of a comfort in hearing his voice again, kind of almost like, wow, maybe he's still here. It kind of really messed with you. And I, and the beautiful part about Google Voice, I was able to download those sound bites and I still have them. Yeah. What a, that's so nice to, yeah. you know, to hear that voice. I remember a similar experience We're seeing a video and my dad was talking in the background and I hadn't heard his voice for so long. And I was like, oh my gosh, yes, I completely remember that voice, you know, you know, but yeah, grief is a never ending process and it doesn't mean you're going to be sad forever, but you'll never forget that person. And some days it'll smack you in the side of the head. And some days you'll think, oh my gosh, that was so fun. That time that we had, mm-hmm. you know, and I think Joe Biden said very beautifully, you know, I, I, you know, pray for the day when the memory of your loved one brings you a smile instead of tears. And yeah, we all, you know, we all look forward to those days. Those are always but, the best days. Yeah. And, you know, getting back to like the lessons of COVID, I think we all, learned to appreciate our friends and family once we were cut off from them, you know, and, and find different ways to connect. We had a game night via zoom, you know, where we were playing categories with my extended family and, you know, who's in your bubble and how much closer you keep them because you only get 10 people. (laughs) And, you know, also I think the simple pleasures of being able to take a walk you know, get out of your house. It was a long winter, you know, it was a long yeah. great winter. And I don't think spring has ever been more welcome or beautiful. <laughs> you know I just saying? want to go run around the sun. <laughs> but this is, this is a beautiful book. Anything you want to uh, tell us before we go out? Anything well, more? you know, it comes out June 8th. It's already a critical darling. I'm so happy to say that. And um, the title pack up the moon comes from the beautiful poem, by W.H. Auden, Funeral Blues. Oh, and I think it's at the fourth stanza where, you know, he's basically, it starts, everyone will know this line, stop all the clocks, keep the dogs from barking. And in the line about pack up the moon, he says, pack up the moon, dismantle the stars, wow. for he is gone. You know, and it's that feeling of the world can't go on without my person. And 
And in my book, Pack Up the Moon, Josh references that poem and says, the the clocks start ticking again, you know, and the world starts going on. And, but that poem is such a beautiful expression of losing someone you love. And, and I guess I wanted to use that title, you know, pack up the moon, but you know, the moon and the sun will shine again, the loss. So it goes on sale June 8th and I hope everyone will love it once they've read it. I think they will. And you're, you're a great author too. So this should be wonderful. Give us your plugs as we go out. Okay. So my website is www.kristenhiggins.com. And I've got a Facebook page, Kristen Higgins Books. And I'm salty on Twitter. If you're interested in that, there are Kristen Higgins Instagram, Kristen Higgins. And Kristen is spelled with an A, K-R-I-S-T-A-N. Because mm-hmm. my, it's my mom's maiden name, actually. Oh. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, thank you very much for coming on the show and sharing your beautiful story and the written. And I think it will inspire and touch a lot of different people. Thank you so much, Chris. It was great being here. Thank you, Kristen. And thanks to my audience for tuning in. Uh, be sure to order the book, Pack Up the Moon. You can get it at your local booksellers or Amazon June 8th, 2021. You want to pre-order that baby so you can take and uh, get the first crack at it so you can beat all the people in your book club to read it the first. Thanks to my audience for tuning in. Go to YouTube.com, Fortress Chris Foss. Go to the Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, uh, TikTok, all the, all the groups that are out there. Just go see them all, follow them all, and all that good stuff. Go to Goodreads.com, Fortress Chris Foss. Be good to yourselves. Take care. And we'll see you guys next time.